Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always is the man running for mayor of Parts Unknown, reminding you to get out and rock the vote. He is the captain. I will be kissing wives and smacking babies. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, we are drinking Tuckerman Brewing Company's Pale Ale out of Conway, New Hampshire. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. This is their flagship pale ale, brewed with four types of hops. Mm. This brew is cold conditioned and dry hopped in lagering tanks for maximum taste and quality. And this great pale ale was brought to us by these great guys and girls. First up, we have Ken from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. And we got Jessica with her terrible towel. All the way in Pittsburgh. Next, we have Barb in Dallas, Texas, who says she is glad she found the garage because she was tired of running around with lesser true crime podcasts. Well, she's throwing some shade. And a big shout out to Kelsey in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. And a big thank you to Connie in beautiful Huntington Beach, California. And last but not least, a big shout out and thank you to Bobby and his better half, Aubrey and Tracy California. So thank you all for filling up the fridge for this week. If you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And like Nick said, I'm running for mayor and governor and senator and president. El Presidente. El Capitan of Parts Unknown. And if you'd like to be a resident of Parts Unknown, go to our website, go to the store, and check out the new Parts Unknown t-shirts. And that's a two-week pre-order. You got two weeks starting right now, so go to the website and get that done today. All right, let's get in the garage. We're back talking with true crime author James Renner and Maggie, the beautiful Maggie and the beautiful Art, uh, the host of Oxygen's The Disappearance of Mara Murray. All right, Captain, that's enough of your propaganda and enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Vote for the captain. 
One of the things I love about this documentary, The Disappearance of Mara Murray, is the host, Maggie, and Art are asking the tough questions. They're asking tough questions to law enforcement, mm-hmm. to the family, asking tough questions to podcasters, to author James Renner. And one of the things is, James, from the beginning, you've always been kind of suspicious of the family, but we don't really know how we would act if this happened to us or one of our loved ones. Now, we see that, but like I've got two kids, and if, if my daughter went missing, um, I would- one hell of a book. Oh, God. No, jeez. Oh, <laughs> morbid joke. Yeah, right. I mean, not a book I'd ever want to write, but like I would, uh, 100%, I would open the door, come in here, you know, look through our family, look through our internet search history, you know, everything, you know, that you need to in order to find this this person, this kid. Right. No, yeah. I, I mean, we say we don't know how we would act, but there would be nothing I wouldn't do. Right. Well, the other question too is, um, do you know if her bank was open that night or that day on that Monday? Uh, that, well, I, all I know is she went up to the ATM and she was able to, she had like 200, close to $300 in her account and she took out 280 and people get all like up in a tizzy about that detail. They're like, well, she didn't withdraw all of her money right? and you shouldn't say she withdraw, drew all of her money because that's untrue. Well, yeah, she kept uh, $16 in there. You're right. It wasn't all. <laughs> well, and I still question whether or not Fred gave her the $4,000. I mean, he claims he didn't, but that's a big question. You know, what happened to that $4,000 because you know, she disappears and how much money does it take to, disappear and set up a new life well if she only had 280 dollars that's one thing but maybe she had 280 plus the four thousand plus her student loan money that um that monday or the the week before that it might have even been that day that monday she disappeared might have been the day that they released the hold on student loan funds Mm-hmm. Um, so she could have taken an extra four to five thousand dollars on top. So now instead of two hundred eighty, we're dealing with maybe she disappeared with more like ten thousand well, dollars. No, but where's she getting this money from? The student loan money. Um, well, you get once you get student loans, you can apply for a certain amount of money um, that's over and above your uh, you know room and board. Right, right. And I did that in school. I lived off of student loans for I think you know two years. Typical which, author. I'm still paying back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> you know, I think it's possible that that's what she did uh, is wait until she could withdraw those funds. And they, they keep a hold on it until like but, a but, couple weeks into the semester. But do we have a record of her withdrawing those not funds? That, not, I mean, maybe the police do. I, I've right. never seen any sort of record. It's just speculation. Um, we do know that she had student loans. So um, just thinking out loud, why would the... Why would the father give his daughter four grand? Because maybe, like, yeah. we all believe that he's holding back something. Right. Maybe it is, oh, by the way, I did give her this money and it wasn't for her to run away. And never, She's in trouble for credit card fraud. Is it to pay back somebody that she was? Somebody else. Somebody else, yeah. That she had she stolen another credit card um, and had she run up more than just $70 worth of pizza, you know, right. was she paying that person off? Um, but that's just speculation, you know, was it, was it money to see uh, uh, her to get away from college and set up someplace else? I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. So I, the, the other question I have 
is this is not an Andy Kaufman story. <laughs> she, you know, there's no. Well, I think Andy Kaufman's still alive too, but that's another story. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Yeah. That's your next book. <laughs> right. Um, but there's no evidence of her. I mean, she didn't try to fake her death. Right. Unless, unless. unless Oh, right, right. It wasn't like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, Well, think about this. If she hadn't have gotten into the accident on Route 112, and I Mm -hmm. I do think that that was an accident. Like, I don't think it was some people, well, did she stage it for dis? No, I don't think so. Um, So let's say she hadn't gotten into that accident and she just left her car in a parking lot somewhere up there, maybe even with a a note or something. Um, Nobody outside of the Murray family would have ever heard about this story. Um, and, you know, they, she maybe, you know, could have left a note and said, you know, I, I took off. I'm sorry. You know, goodbye. Mm-hmm. But I think the accident changed everything. You know, let's say she's going up there to start a new life or to disappear or do something. She gets in that accident. She doesn't want the police to show up. Right. You right. know, because that's, now she's in a lot of trouble. What is she doing? They're, they're catching her halfway through whatever her plan was. So, you know, let me get in this car that's being driven by this acquaintance and um, we're going to take off and maybe the police will leave the car there and we can come back for it. Nope. Oh, the police took it. Oh crap. Right. Now we got to leave the car. Now it looks like, now it looks like a possible crime. Um, so we got to be hush hush about everything from, from now on, you know, no, no letters to, you know, friends or family explaining what I was doing up here. Yeah. It's just her and one, maybe a, two other people that have to be quiet. Right. And that's kind of your theory on, on her friends. Maybe that they're... I don't know for sure. I just... I just... The only thing I feel 100% on is that there was a tandem driver and that tandem driver was somebody that she knew. You know, friend or family. Uh, I tend to, you know, maybe lean 60, 40, 60% towards it being friend or friends. Well, I like that you actually said that though because one of my... I'm constantly defending you. <laughs> Uh, but what I, and I was telling you this earlier, the, the, one of my favorite things about, uh, being able to, you know, call you a true crime friend is that you put out this amazing book that I bet once a week, somebody tells me oh, this is the best book that I've maybe have ever read, <laughs> uh, which I think is a great compliment. That's awesome. Um, cause it, I hate when somebody would say it's the best true crime book. I'm like, <laughs> oh, come on. Um, but but I like that you said that the only only thing that you're super solid on or 100% on is that there was a tandem driver. Yeah. And I think what where a lot of people uh, kind of, the funny thing is a lot of people say that you're tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. But then I think that they become tunnel vision on you. They, they do. They do. And I think to some extent there's this um, need on the internet and social media to, to choose sides and in society in general, just to choose a side. Right. And I, and I, you get, you delve into the Maura Murray case and you end up on, you know, specific Facebook pages and Reddit pages where, for whatever reason, they've decided to turn me into, you know, kind of the bad guy, the bad journalist. Right. And, and And then that's the, one of the first things they read and they want to be a part of that community. So they have to like, not like James either. But- if you if you spend some time with me, you know, I know there were some people from Reddit that came up to CrimeCon last year and they yeah. hung out and got a book and, you know, uh, had a drink or, you know, some snacks at the bar or whatever. 
you know, within five minutes of, <laughs> you know, hanging out, right. you know, I, and, and it almost makes me cringe, but you know, they'll lean forward and they'll say, you know what? You're not, you're not a, you're not as much of an asshole as I thought you were. <laughs> a little bit of an asshole. Yeah, well, still a yeah, bit, yeah. You know? We all are, but yeah. um, not as much as Nick. <laughs> but see, that's the weird thing that I've never understood with, and it's not with everybody in the true crime community, but with the Mara case. Well, there's other cases out there that are similar to this, where there where there are people that they they take a side, yeah. like you said, they believe in a theory, and if they dis if they disagree with your theory. For some reason, they've decided they don't like you as a person. Yeah. I don't know how that leap is made. Right. Um, you know, we've had it happen on our show where people comment and they're like, Nick, you said that it probably went down like this. Are you some kind of idiot? You right. know, and it's like, well. <laughs> well, I normally get that directed towards <laughs> me. And yes, I am some kind of an idiot. Um, but I like that you said that, you know, that's the only thing that you feel 100% because I think right. a, lot, a lot of times when you bring up the pregnancy or the the belief that you think that she's alive. I've never heard you say, I a hundred percent believe that she's alive. No. And no, of course not. And, um, you know, with the tandem driver thing, I, you know, look, it, what happened after that is, is a mystery. Did she go on to another life? A lot of people think I'm sold on this idea that she's in Canada and, and, you know, hanging out and chilling and eating crepes and, right. and, you know, having babies. And that would be nice. I want to believe that. Uh, but there's also the possibility that whoever this tandem driver was killed her. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm very open to that possibility. But if your theory that she left on purpose to start a new life, if that theory is wrong, let's mm -hmm. just say in this hypothetical world, sure. <laughs> I'm telling you 100% that that theory is wrong what's the next theory that you lean towards? Is it just that the tandem driver? Yeah. Okay. It's that the tandem driver was responsible for her death. You know, did she hit her head harder than we, than we know? And did she, did she pass out and they freaked out and she became comatose or something silly like that? Or did, you know, was she traveling up there with a boyfriend? Right. Not the boyfriend, but a boyfriend, a right. boyfriend. And that person was the one that after that accident, you know, killed her or, you know, uh, you know, so, so yes, I'm, I'm very much open to that. You know, when I started looking into the case, the first thing I, after, you know, Wikipedia and a couple other things, I'm going to your blog. And so then to get so much of my information about the case from your blog sure, and then to call you an idiot or a moron <laughs> just makes zero sense. Oh, I know. You know, and, and these people that set up websites or, uh, or other podcasts, not Tim and Lance's, but other podcasts on this mystery, because there are a couple more. Right. And, uh, um, you know, they, they, they that's what they do. They're like, oh, I hate this James Renner. He's such an a-hole. He's such a jerk. Uh, here's, here are 10 documents that James Renner posted on his, uh, <laughs> his website that might help yeah. us figure out what happened to Maura Murray. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think yeah, I think people should just give you a little more credit for that. I'm a, you know, I don't know. I'm obsessed. I was obsessed with this case. There are other cases that that I get very personally involved in. Um, but I've got a life. I think. Yeah. No, you know, you I've got. I've got. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, here with us right? <laughs> on a Sunday. There's no way you have a life. Uh, so uh, this isn't my life. Is and and people seem to think this is you know and uh, I don't know. It's frustrating. You know, social media and. You know, I don't know how you guys are, but yeah, at, to a, at a point, you just have to walk away and not like, because 
80% of the comments will be positive, mm-hmm. but you fixate on those 20%. But one thing I liked when you set up your blog was you, it wasn't just you forming an opinion and telling your version of what you think went down with Mara, but it, you set up a place for people to check out new information mm-hmm. and for people to come back to you with information yes, and say, Hey yeah. James, I found this. You should consider putting it on your blog. Yeah, it was this grand idea I had to open the internet and turn it into essentially the writer's room of a newspaper. You know, when I worked at a scene magazine up in Cleveland, we'd had this writer's room and I'd write these true crime stories and we'd gather in the writer's room and I'd pitch out ideas. I'm like, what about this guy as a suspect? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other writers would come back, well, have you looked at this and this? And it was a new way to gather information, but also, um, to find new avenues of investigation and to use crowdsourcing to try to solve these cases. Now, the way I picture it going down was, you know, if you've ever seen Mickey Mouse in the the Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm-hmm. you know, where he's learning from this grand wizard and, you know, he, you know, he goes up and tries to use some of the magic. Well, I had this grand idea to turn it into a, a crowdsourcing platform and everybody would be sociable and, and fight for the greater good and, and help each other out. But it got out of control, mm-hmm. and people were not nice to each other, and people were not nice to me. And people, when names were considered as suspects, people would go out and try to shame them instead of realizing that just because their name is mentioned as a possible suspect and they are a possible suspect doesn't mean they're guilty. And they mm-hmm. shouldn't be held um, as good. We still have a court of law for that reason. You know, let's not consider somebody guilty until they've had their day in court. But that went out the window. And I realized that this grand experiment that I had, um, it just won't work in the way our culture and society set up. And that was mm-hmm. very upsetting and very sad. And now the, the blog, you know, I've turned off the comments because people are just, people are just mean to each other right now. Um, and I, I think that doesn't get us any closer to the truth. It doesn't. And, and, and I want to hope that it's a phase and that, uh, we'll look back at this in 20 years and we're like, oh my God, that was the deep dark days of the, you know, people being mean to each other and Twitter and Facebook, but I don't see an end to it. No. And you know, I, I was involved in a community online community years ago regarding a specific case and people would log on there and give their opinions on different pieces of evidence or theories that they had. And it, it got very messy very quickly. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 spun out of control into this thing where posters are now accusing one of no, one another of being the actual murderer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just yeah. it got so weird and strange in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, I think the only way to fix it is to get rid of anonymity. Right. And but nobody's going to be for that because no, they, no. they, you know, they want to be anonymous because they, you know, they, they have their daily routine of being an accountant somewhere and they have to follow everybody's rules, but then they can log on as poop shoot 69, mm-hmm. you know, at, at <laughs> oh, that's Gmail. a good friend of mine. <laughs> Best buds. <laughs> and tell you everything you're doing wrong. And, and you know, that you're, that Maybe the police should look into you and, you know, stupid stuff like that. Like well, and I think people also forget on these, a lot of these shows that you're, they edit you. Yeah. So it's just like the, you you were saying before, like you talked to Maggie for a really long time mm-hmm. and then what they put on the show is an edited version of that and they might eventually go back to that interview. Yes. But one of the things that you talked about in the show was the eyewitness accounts. 
And I wondered that when you when you guys have gone to these places and looked for, how many people don't recognize the picture that you're showing them? Is it a bunch? Of Maury Murray? Yeah. Oh, 99.9%. Okay. So it's, uh, it's always just a, a very small. How many people would you say have said, oh, I know her? Two or three. Okay. So a, very a, a small. Very, very small. And the number. people that, that believe they saw her are adamant. Like this, uh, and I think, I hope eventually in the doc series we'll get to see her, but there's this employee that worked at the record store up in um, Montreal, I think. Mm -hmm. And she was 100%. She's like, no doubt about it, that was her. So, you know, people say there are these unsubstantiated sightings, um, but they're they're very good unsubstantiated sightings. It might might not be her. Now, there's a lesser known story within the Mara Murray case. And I want you to tell it for us because I pulled this straight from your book and it was one of the more, (laughs) you know, there was a lot of interesting points in there, but this one stood out for me a little bit. It's the, and forgive me if I'm setting this up wrong, but when you were looking into the case, there was a hit on her social security number or, Mm. or a hit on something involving like a, a shopping uh, card. Yeah, there are two. I mean, you're hitting on two different stories. Okay. <clears throat> so real quick, um, and then I'll get because I think I know the one you're going for is a little more dramatic. But there was uh, the um, when I l- ran her social security number, I got a hit that led me to Sacco, Maine, and that turned out to be one of the searchers that was working with Mo- with Fred Murray mm-hmm. after Moore disappeared, and and he said, "Hey, can I put a flag on Moore's social security number?" So that linked his address in Saco, Maine to Morris Soch. So when I ran it, it popped up. So that was kind of easily explained, although it's still a little weird. Right. Um, the shopping card is interesting. And I think, I get the feeling the documentary series might go there because they, they showed it last night. Okay. Um, inside the, the car, they're like, oh, hey, look, yeah, a little yeah. shopping card. Now, um, one of the people that go to the, the website these these you know the, when i was crowdsourcing it somebody read it and they they were able to get the exact number off the back of that shopping card find the grocery store and run it through their loyalty program system and it popped up uh, Moore's information and also an email address mm-hmm. but that email address wasn't linked to mora it was linked to a guy named richard thousand Mm-hmm. who lives in Cleveland, Ohio, and works as a nurse. So I reach out to Richard, and I say, Hey, man, your... <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Yeah. Your email pops up on Maura Murray's uh, shopping card, and Maura Murray's this woman who disappeared in, in, in UMass Amherst. And he tells me the story about how he visited the, the university and met this young woman who he thinks was Mora. And they had a lunch together, and then she she must have stolen his card, his loyalty card, to get like cheap gas or something. And I'm like, well, Mora is known for stealing cards. You know that makes a little sense. So I put that information up online, and people right away poked holes in it. And he got back to me, and he said, "Hey, look, I made that story up. Um, the 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 real." truth is that yes i was at umass amherst just for a couple days for a conference and i when i heard about the Moore murray case i became a little obsessed with it and found her shopping cart information and put my email in it so i would get 
some more information from about that card. Mm. Um, so man, talk about red flags. Right. You know, here's wait, this. Wait, wait. So, so he, just repeat that. Yeah, it's weird. So, so he, he puts in his information. Well, this is the last story he told me. You know, he lied about the first story he says, so I don't know what the truth is and what's not, but the story he settled on was that he was studying to be a nurse at the same time as Mora, but not mm-hmm. going to school at UMass, but visited UMass for a couple of days. For what was the reason? A, conf- a conference okay. or something was happening down there. And uh, he said they might have crossed paths, but he's not sure. <coughs> so he came back to Cleveland, and then when Mora goes missing, he's like, oh, I remember UMass. I was there at the same time. And he starts getting obsessed with the case, finds her shopping cart info, puts in his email address in order to open up the other information because it says in order to access, you have to put in a, an email address. Right. So he gets his to link with her shopping card. And so it's weird, right? Like yeah. everything about it. And this guy's- And the fact that he lied before. Exactly. Makes and, it even weirder. And he's living up in um, Cleveland. Uh, for And I've visited the house. I haven't caught him there, but we've talked on the phone. Um lives by himself, and I, I talked to the neighbors. Nobody has seen a, a young woman up there. But um, he, it's really hard these days to, to have social media right. and not, not be able to find a picture of somebody. There are no pictures of this guy anywhere um, on social media, on the internet. Uh, that was some information that the cold case unit was really interested in Mm -hmm. and i i have a feeling they probably have talked to him or tried to talk to him but they certainly wanted all the information i had about that guy oh yeah well nick's not on social media much it's kind of hard to find you (laughs) i i found i can find pictures yeah it's because i've posted (laughs) because i post them and And then our our, our, our (laughs) listeners love to uh photoshop us now so that's a lot of fun oh right right the coordinates Sent yeah. to Tim and Lance. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw that out there. Talk about it. What's the deal now, with hold that? on. The coordinates were sent to me originally. They were sent to you. Okay, that's why we're, that's why we're here to talk but they, about they, it. They, they love to take credit for it. <laughs> I don't know they that they guys. did. I, I was drinking after watching several football games and watching the documentary at the same time. Oh, man. Those, <laughs> to me, those guys are... Um, we had so much fun at CrimeCon and... Those, those conventions get crazy, though. I did so much blow with Tim and Lance. It's, it's <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. So what oh. about these coordinates? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're so the sent coordinates to you. Were, were sent in, uh, and it was just this email that said, stop looking. And the subject, or, or Maura Murray, was in there somehow. And it was just these coordinates, and it leads, leads you to part of the White Mountains, uh, right. this desolation trail you have to go to to get up there and it's like a five hour hike both ways uh i was never able to make it work Mm -hmm. um but it does look if you look at the trailer for the more murray yeah series they're hiking and so i'm i'm guessing they do track down those coordinates but i have no idea what they found up there because they got a little scared and um We've definitely had our share of odd emails, as you have sure. with this this case as well. But um, I err more on the side that whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway. So yeah. whether I go on that trail or not, right? I don't really have a lot of. 
Like with the fact that they're like, well, we're just too scared to go. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. Guys. You got to do it. You went, yeah, you got to follow through with that. And I think they finally do. Um, my, my hunch is that it's nothing but an internet troll that, right. that wanted to, like for shits and giggles, just wanted them to waste um, their time. Yeah, waste the time. Waste, yeah. waste 10 hours and, and possibly, you know, endanger well, themselves. Well, that's why they sent it to you. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I know better. I'm going to get this asshole to waste <laughs> his time. No, thanks. <laughs> what was the. Was the did the person use a handle that that sent that to you? Uh, it was the email was redirected through the Netherlands through some sort of remailing email mm-hmm. thing. They Which is weird tracks. though because that email is connected to Mara Murray's fuel perks card. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not her, true. Her Tim, Hort- not true her Tim yeah. Horton's yeah. loyalty card. Yeah. Okay, James. So the book has been out for a while now, and you've had a chance to participate in this docu series. Where are you at? currently with your theory um i i right at, as of this moment as of today uh, in 2017 october 2nd right <laughs> uh or is it the first yeah today's yeah. the first anyways um i would put my probability at 60 percent. she's out there alive somewhere trying to stay off the grid maybe canada mm-hmm. um and 40% that she was murdered by whoever this tandem driver was. Do you have a list of suspects you like more? Of the tandem others? driver? Yeah. It's one of four or five people. Yeah. Like, and I'm not going to go into it specifically. Right, but right. How many are men? How many are women? Two of them are men. Okay. Three of them are women. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today.
Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem. And it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. We are back with Art and Maggie from the Oxygen docu-series, The Disappearance of Mara Murray. Now, 
Do you guys have a hunch on where you think uh, Mara was heading to that night? We, you know, she was taking a break for some reason, but where do you think she was heading to? I think that Renner is accurate in that there was somebody else involved, probably. Um, Whether she's going to meet a friend or somebody, I personally don't think that she was going alone. Um, There could have been a tandem driver, like a friend or somebody. I don't think it was a tandem driver and somebody helping her escape. I think they were just going to clear her head. She bought enough booze for two people. Um, I, I think that there was possibly somebody going with her to just spend the weekend, hang out, take a break. She had all intentions on coming back. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, you've got five or six theories, and you, you see us map them out in one of the episodes. Yeah, episode five. Yeah, none of those none of those are completely off the table until we can actually find her or her remains. So, but we looked at the probability of what is what is more than likely that happened to her, and more than likely, you know, something there was foul play involved in what happened to her. Now, whether it was somebody she knows or somebody that mm-hmm. picked her up on the highway, that's the big that's the big question. You know, what happened in that seven to ten minute time period, which we probably even narrowed down to like shorter than that. But you know, what happened in that time frame? Why do you think in certain cases, especially in this case, that we have evidence that you uncover and then people look at it objectively and they say, well, no, that's, that's not true, even though you've backed up that evidence? <laughs> I have no idea why people choose not to believe that. It's absolutely insanity. <laughs> it is insanity. I mean, but I, but even with this, me. though, we did know. Yeah, even with this, we did know that um, if someone told us, and didn't have evidence, we wouldn't believe them. You know, I understand why people say, okay, Cecil Smith is saying that, but how do we believe him? Um, I get that. I get that people want the evidence, but it's hard. We we did know this would happen. We didn't know to the extent of how um, really intense people are about believing this. This police conspiracy theory. Yeah, people love conspiracies, but as uh, you talk to anybody in law enforcement, it's almost impossible to keep a conspiracy together. Sooner or later, somebody's going to talk. And in this particular case, I mean, when we did the timing, when we looked at Witness A, when we drove the same route she did, when we interviewed Cecil Smith, it's pretty clear that even without you know, other type, absolutely it was him. Just the timing of it, it had to be him. And, you know, he said he was in the car. You know, it, for us, that whole conspiracy theory right now, you know, people are wasting their time spinning their wheels on that, it's, that it was some other cruiser there. That's just not the case. I mean, you know I mean? It, it's really going to be embarrassing when it does come out <laughs> and the information yeah. is able to be out there that this, these people have really exhausted themselves on this bunk theory. We are trying to tell you that this is, this is not the case. Like if you don't want to believe us, fine, but you're going to look silly. And, and, you know, even people, even if we had a video of the whole thing, they probably still wouldn't believe it. No, 
No. So you, you're going to have that, you know, that portion of people that aren't going to believe it, regardless of what we say. But I'll but tell this you is what. why, in a way, I think Renner is even more respectable than some of these people that think they're more respectable than Renner, because Renner is is looking at the evidence and the facts and saying, okay, maybe 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 I don't think my theory is right anymore. Right. He has enough, you know, dignity to say, okay, I, I might have been wrong, like. I wrote a book about this, and it could be wrong. And that's, like, way more respectable than, uh, man, it is nothing. And, and, and I'll tell you what. Obviously, I'm coming from the law enforcement side, the frustration that law enforcement has. I mean, and, and it goes to a lot of stuff. I mean, you talk to law enforcement is a tough job right now, uh, especially uniform law enforcement. Um, and, unfortunately, we kind of go through these cycles every 20, 25 years. We're in one of those cycles right now, and people, for some reason, want to believe that law enforcement is is bad uh, for whatever reason. I mean, it, it feeds something in their, their ego or in their minds. And, uh, I mean, when you sit and spend an hour and a half with each one of these police officers, as we did, um, listen, I've done internal investigations. Internal actually reported to me when I was a U.S. Marshal, and I can tell you that you can tell when somebody's not telling you the truth and or or something doesn't pass the smell test. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that everything that we uncovered here from the law enforcement side, there wasn't anything where, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. It was just like the simplest explanation is generally the explanation. Mm-hmm. And that's what we found. One of my favorite parts of the documentary was that you guys did the drive that Mara had made that night before the accident. Is there any observations or things that occurred to you that didn't make it on camera? I think I think the the condition of Mora's car, right, Maggie? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we did that whole experiment with the rag and the tailpipe, and I, we actually drove the car around. You know, we bought a a Saturn that was the same year, and and knocked out one of the cylinders on it, and and did the experiment in the garage with the rag and the tailpipe. And then they actually drove that vehicle around. Um, and more than likely, even though we did what we did to it, this car was probably in a lot better shape than Morris was. And Maggie, you drove one of those same vehicles when you were at UMass, right? I did. I had an 04. She had a 96. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we. I think the hour time discrepancy always kind of puzzled us. Um you know, did she leave right away after she went to the liquor store? Did she stop somewhere? Did somebody see her? You know, I have always thought that. Um, yeah, when you when you go to the liquor store and the ATM, they're pretty much right next to each other. When you go to the liquor store, there's a diner directly across the street, and we always used to go there at UMass and go to the liquor store, go to the diner, that ATM. I went to the ATM so many times. Um, but I always thought that she had left the liquor store and then met somebody at the diner and got lunch. And that person knows where she was going. In the opening to one of the shows, Maggie, you state that the locals seem to think that Mara was abducted. How do you feel about that after meeting with the local people? And does that tell us anything about the area? Well, that actually came from John Smith. Um, I don't I don't think it made it in in his interview. But um, Art, you were there for that interview. Yeah. And John Smith said, you know. I've been up here all this time and there were some really bad people up here. And he, you know, uh, that, that came from John Smith, that the, the people up there 
are often not that savory. Um, and do I think that it was a local? Yeah, probably I do. Um, I think like Art said at the beginning, people go up there to be away from everybody. And whether that's just, you know, the lifestyle you like to lead or you have had a really bad past and you can't be in a place where, you know, you're in the city bumping into people all the time. People know who you are. You, you're going up there to hide out and live a really private life. Now, on episode five, you literally put all five uh, theories on the table, and you end up crossing them all out except for one. Well, I mean, I think we we both believe that foul play, that there's foul play involved, that she was she was killed either by accident or by on purpose, or you know somebody had an intention to kill her, or some some something occurred by accident, either by an unknown person, and and you know when you look at these cases and and you do a lot of investigations generally that if it's somebody uh that the victim knows you're going to come to a conclusion fairly quickly in other words the case is easier to solve than if it's somebody that has no connection at all to the victim and you know obviously this case has been going on for 13 years it's a cold case and i always kind of look at it that geez i mean the the state police, the local police have spent thousands of hours investigating this case. They've conducted grand juries, investigative grand juries. They've put a lot of time, effort, and energy. I mean, even when we came up with a couple of leads, the next day they were on it. So it just seems to me that they've investigated this to the best of their ability. You know, even they'll admit, you know, we wish we had done this different or that different. But the re- but but you know none of it was done intentionally. There was no malice in anything they did. They did the best job they tried to do, and and that leads me to believe that it's very possibly somebody that she doesn't know, um, because those are the hardest crimes to solve. So if she were abducted or if she got into a vehicle willingly, this is just minutes after she turned down the ride from Butch Atwood. Why w- why would it go down like that? I think that it's possible she said no to Butch. Art thinks it's this, that Butch, because he was a school bus driver, he worked for the government, um, the county, I believe, and she saw him as, like, an employee and and didn't want to be involved with the police, that kind of thing. I honestly think it could be as simple as Butch didn't look like, you know, if you're just judging based on appearances, he even said, I mean, he's this old, overweight man with a mustache. He he could have scared her. I mean, he's just some guy up there. Like, I don't know if I would get in a bus with him. Um, But I think it could have just been some young guy in the area. There's a lot of them that we have found that have been in jail for rape, sexual assault, like horrible, horrible things that just said, hey, uh, I'm going to this party. Are you okay? You want to get in? she might have trusted him more. And we had heard from family members that Maura had hitchhiked in the past. Who did we hear that from, Art? Yeah, we heard it from her high school friends, right? Yeah, that she had hitchhiked. Um, That didn't make it in the show, but that to us says, okay, maybe this young guy pulls up, hey, I'm going to a party. You want to come? Sure. Yeah, one of of the things I looked at, too, was that she was under probation at the time for for the pizza incident at UMass. And I think that that um you know if she got arrested for 
for operating under the influence. If she was drinking in the car, I know this is all speculation, but to me it kind of makes sense that that she would want, you know, Butch pulls up and says, I'll call 911. She says, no, you know, I've called AAA. He knows that's a lie. He goes to his house and calls 911, and, of course, the Westmans across the street are calling 911 at the time. So, you know, did she want to avoid, avoid law enforcement? I would say yes, because she probably probably would have um, either been in trouble, uh, you know, obviously for operating under, but it could have put in jeopardy her nursing school, too, that she was going through at UMass. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that I believe that should be a person of interest was the track coach Haas, supposedly or allegedly uh, she was having an affair with. But this doesn't come up in the show. That was one of the things that Art and I, um, you know, where where I was saying how Renner had a lot of good information that he came up with. And we would say, where did this information come? And it was Renner. The other day we were talking, um, someone had sent me an email talking about Haas and we had tried calling him. He he wouldn't talk to us, um, you know, so we, we couldn't really talk about it in the show. But, um, you know, afterwards, someone sent me an email, and I called Art and said, hey, what was up with Haas? Like, did, did this really get looked at? Like, did the police interview him? Where did all this come from? And Haas wasn't even known about until Renner uncovered that whole thing. So, once again, that was Renner um, doing that. But I don't know. I don't know. We don't really know what his alibi was, do we? No, we don't know what his alibi was. But you know, it, and th- these are these are questions that law enforcement, when you ask them, are gonna are gonna hold back on. Yeah. Because um, I think we might have asked, and and they can't we did. they can't answer. Yeah. Yeah, we did, and um, uh, you know, we didn't get a we didn't get an answer from them. So. This is obviously something they're looking at. Um, we can say they're re-looking at everything. One thing that I've got to know, can you tell us if Butch Atwood had a CB radio in the school bus? Yeah. We, we asked uh, that. We asked that question. Um, and I don't know. Um, we We tried to actually find out more about that particular bus. We actually tried to get a photograph of it. Yeah. And we couldn't come well, up we tried with to, one. I think we tried to track it down at some point. Right. Someone tried to track it down. But my understanding is when he called 911, he did it from his house. He yeah. left, went to his house, called 911. It somehow got kind of screwed up. Uh, it went to a different dispatch. It didn't go to Grafton County. I think it went to Hanover Dispatch. And then Hanover Dispatch kind of relayed it to Grafton County, and Grafton County actually ended up calling back the residents. And, you know, you bring up a very good point because you gotta, you, you sort of have to put all this together. Now, you've got Westman on 911. You've got Butch Atwood stopping his bus, talking to her, and calling 911. You have the Marats around the corner who also have some visual contact with this accident. And then you've got witness A. All this is occurring sort of in a 10 and 15 minute time frame. Uh, and then you've got obviously Cecil Smith showing up. So when you put all that together and look at that timeline, which we did, um, it kind of all makes sense. The, the big enduring question here is how, how could somebody turn their head and she's gone in like seven to 10 minutes? 
That, that's, that's always been the big question. You have all these things going on. And I mean, a lot of them are like real, real important data points because we have logs. You know, we've got Grafton County logs, and we found out some information about that that, that, that came out. I don't know if it made it in the interview or not. Um, but we also have that whole jurisdictional fight that so some mm. that somebody reported that thought it was law enforcement. It wasn't law enforcement. It was the two tow truck drivers mm-hmm. arguing mm-hmm. about who had the the money for the tow. You know, so it, we really have put a lot of this stuff to rest. And when you sit down and look at it, it's like it, it makes sense. Holy shit! It it just makes sense. It's the simplest explanation. And I keep right. going and back we've to even, that. Yeah, and we've even, like, sat around again over a bottle of Tito's being like, okay, what if Butch is lying? What if she got right. in the bus with him, and then when he went and did that search for Cecil, he, you know, dropped her body somewhere or something happened? Like, we have sat there and said, is that possible? But then we look back at the logs. The Westman saw her after the bus left. Um right. Am I correct in saying that, Art? The way, yeah, I think, I think it was, because that was the flurry of the activity at the rear of the Right, car and the Marat saw her. So so even the thought of her getting in his bus just didn't happen. Yeah. She would have had to have walked back over to the house. And you, and you mentioned the two people and the man with a cigarette, and, and mm-hmm. that's that kind of like has been sort of an argument between the two Westmans as to what each one of them saw. Um, Mr. Westman thinks he saw the light from a cell phone trying to be activated. Um, and Mrs. Westman, I think, wasn't really sure exactly what the heck she saw. So, I mean, that's been questioned, too. Um, One of the crazy things about this case is that cell phone service. There was no cell phone service up in these White Mountains. And I think it's hard for some of us to believe um, is that factual? Like when you were up there investigating, there is no cell phone service at yeah. all to this day. It, it's yeah. it's crazy because you, I think you lose cell phone service the minute you kind of get out of Woodsville, right, Maggie? Yeah, yeah. And then you pick it back up at Beaver Pond, which is at the it kind of another ten eleven miles from the crash site, heading towards Lincoln. Now, there's one particular item that the police have received a lot of criticism about. And this is regarding the ATM footage where Mara had stopped to make a withdrawal. Now, one thought that I've had on this, why they've not released this footage, and that's a criticism that they've got, that they've not released it, is that either that this footage does not exist or that they had it in their possession at one time, but but it may have been lost. Well, what we can say, I know this tough to hold tight till episode six, is that the reason they haven't um, released it is because if there was, this is me why I think they haven't released it, Um, if there was anybody in that video with her that was not at all related to her, a license plate number of somebody's car, um, they didn't want all of these people who latched onto insane theories to, you know, think this person was the killer or track down this license plate number and, you know, these people that are just happen to be in this video um, to go after them. So yeah, that's exactly I, I right. think that, yeah, I think that had, it, it needs to be protected. And I think that's really a good move um, to protect the innocent people who would be in that video. 
Um, and other than that, you'll have to wait till episode yeah. six. I mean, one of the problems with this case is um, anybody that has any information or any connection is being. I mean, we had a lot of problems talking to people. People had to get familiar with us because a lot of people wrong information has been put out with you know put out about them. Um, so law enforcement, I know, and they reiterated with that to me today that they're just they don't want people innocent people harassed that have already been talked to by by law enforcement and really that's not the way to handle a criminal investigation put innocent people out there mm-hmm. that don't have any association at all it might have just been standing in the background but you both feel confident in saying that a yes the atm footage exists and b the police are in possession of it yes yes you have to wait till episode six one last question. Uh, do you believe that this case is solvable? I do. Yeah, I do too. When, it, when, when, I mean, I, I, I will t- tell you this, that when we first, Maggie and I first talked to the state police and the AG's office, they believe this case is solvable. And they have all the information. So if they believe it's solvable, I believe it's solvable. Maggie believes it's solvable. So... And, um, and yeah, and I think that a lot of it, again, I know I sound like I'm coming hard at the police conspiracy people, and it's not that I don't think people should be talking. I just think they should focus their energy, you know, somewhere else. Right. But it, it, I don't even think it would have been this far if it weren't for people who really, really care and are contacting the police with tangible, real information and people who have come to me with real information. Um some of these leads that people have come forward with lately are really, good, really man. good. They're really good. And I even said to Tim and Lance today, I said, hey, guys, you know, you've been working on this a lot longer than me and Art. Have you guys been this excited for, you know, this case to be solved? And they said, nothing like this, not at all. So, you know, I think we're all really, really excited and we do think it will be solved. A big thank you to James Renner. If you haven't already, go and check out his book, True Crime Addict. And a big thank you to Art and Maggie. They were so kind to sit down and talk with us. Also, you keep hearing about Tim and Lance. They are two great guys that did a wonderful podcast that was all about the Mara Murray disappearance. So Mm -hmm. a big thank you to those guys as well. Yeah, so check out their podcast, Missing Mara Murray. And the question from a lot of listeners is, hey, you guys covered this case. Yes, we've covered this case before. We talked to Brenner uh, when True Crime Attic came out, and we actually covered this case, and you can find those on our website store or the iTunes store. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thank you so much for sharing on social media. It means the world to us. We got to get out of here because we got a, a big case for next week. All right, until next time, everybody out there, be good, please be kind, and please don't litter. Here you are, BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue 
panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 